before we begin, uh, I've just got a small correction. A uh, last podcast, I mentioned a person by the name of David Horowitz, who I said was a consumer advocate and uh, had seemed to have gone off the deep end in recent years and became some sort of kind of right-wing nut. Uh, A listener named Sasha was sort of kind enough to point out that uh, there are actually two David Horowitz. There's the uh, uh, David Horowitz classic, who is the uh, fight-back guy and apparently is still uh, the fight-back guy. But there is a uh, another David Horowitz, uh, the new David Horowitz, who's an entirely different human being, who is a sort of a very far-right, conservative kind of, uh, I don't know, writer. So uh, they, they are actually not the same person. Uh, consumer advocate David Horowitz is still a uh, normal, unkooky person. Okay. On with today's conspiracy. Oh, and I only mentioned this because uh, I don't want you to think the man got to me. Uh, I just want to correct my errors. The man did not get to me. So, right, on with today's conspiracy. Welcome back to another episode of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm a conspiracy skeptic, Carl Mamer. On this installment of The Conspiracy Skeptic Unplugged, my guest is uh, Rich Orman, who many of my listeners probably know from the podcast Dogma Free America. Rich, it's it's great having you on the show. Well, thank you, Carl, for having me on your show. I've been looking forward to this for, for quite some time to talk about one of my favorite conspiracies here uh, i should mention i guess on, on conspiracy skeptic unplugged uh what, what i do is i have a uh podcaster or blogger in the skeptical community and i have that person on i interview him and and get that person to uh just talk about his or her favorite conspiracy and uh, uh rich what what is your favorite conspiracy well, there's only one, Carl. There's only one. I mean, it, it to me, it's it's an amazing conspiracy theory. And now, now, I think I should preface this by saying that, like, it seems like every other guest I've heard on your show, I'm from the state of Colorado. It seems that there is some kind of bizarre Colorado connection with your show. Right. Yes. It's it's either that or uh, pe- people from Louisiana. So I guess you're the uh, the, the the Colorado contingent. Okay, well, I'm part of the Colorado contingent, and I live in the Denver metro area in a city called Aurora, Colorado. And my favorite conspiracy is the the conspiracy theory surrounding Denver International Airport. Yeah, when you when you emailed me that uh, as the uh, as your favorite conspiracy, I, at first I was kind of like, oh, "Geez, yeah, an an airport." Um, how interesting! I, I, I don't know if have you ever read uh, Douglas Adams, you know the the Dirk Gently series, like uh, Dirk Gently's holistic Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency. Say that fourteen times fast. I also read the sequel, which I think was called Along the Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, now it's either uh, Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency or, or Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul, where uh, it, in uh, the first sentence in the book, Douglas Adams writes something about, um, you know, in sort of the, the history of humanity, no, you know, like no language known to man has ever coined the phrase pretty as an airport, just because airports are, you know, in, incredibly, you know, boring uh, places, and, uh, you know, that they're far from pretty, but... Um, but I, uh, so when when you sort of told me about that conspiracy theory, I was sort of initially like, you know, like, ah, yes, of course, that's sort of a, reminded me of the Douglas Adams. But uh, it, you know, when I started to sort of research it, uh, I was quite, uh, I was like really blown away. Like, wow, I mean, that there's there's a lot of lot of stuff here, and uh, so all, all what I can sort of tell the listeners is, uh, you know, don't don't. Don't turn the dial, you know, sort of strap in because uh, I, I think we're going to be uh, in for a really interesting ride with this podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. Actually, Carl, before we get 
to the meat of the issue about Denver International Airport. Can I get a plug-in? Because I would like to get a plug-in. Now, it has nothing to do with the topic of your show, which is conspiracy series. And I, and I, I get that, although there is a tie-in. I am going to be having – now, my podcast is called Dogma Free America, and you can find it on iTunes. Just type that in. Now, I'm going to be doing a, a, a live podcast, which I'm going to stream over the internet from the convention of Atheist Alliance International in Burbank, California, October 2nd through 4th. And you, Now, Carl, you may be wondering what this might have to do with conspiracy theories because it really is completely unrelated. But the reason I bring this up is, well, to shill for this thing where I'm going to be. But also, there is a conspiracy theory tie-in at this convention. Now, do you remember the show The X-Files? <laughs> Yeah, I, I do indeed. I, I, I believe I wasted the prime of my manhood watching that TV show. And one of the biggest guys with the conspiracy theories in the X-Files was Cigarette Smoking Man. William B. Davis was the actor that portrayed Cigarette Smoking Man. He will be at that convention in Burbank, California, October 2nd through 4th, and making an appearance. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, interesting, because uh, one... Uh, the Amateur Scientist podcast, um, Brian Thompson's little podcast, I, I think he was a uh, guest on Conspiracy Skeptic Unplugged uh, episode two. Uh, one of his early uh, episodes of his podcast, he actually had on William B. Davis uh, as, as a guest. And as it turns out, you know, William B. Davis is uh, not only is he a skeptic, but I believe he's either an atheist or he's, you know, at least an ag- agnostic. Uh, so it's kind of it's, it's quite interesting that um, you know he he's uh, you know in real life he's kind of maybe the polar opposite of what you might sort of expect him to be uh, you know just from from his TV show. Well, if you want to see William B. Davis and you want to meet me, you can come to this convention. I think their website is atheistconvention.org. And anyway, now we can get back to Denver International Airport. Oh, you know, Rich, actually, before we get into the uh, into the Denver International Airport conspiracy. Uh, you know, for our listeners who maybe are unfamiliar with with your podcast, Dogma Free America, could, could you just sort of give us a sort of a brief overview of uh, you know what 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 it's about? Dogma Free America. Now, I got the name from there was these old radio stations back back in the day when I was a kid. There, the U.S. had these propaganda stations or information stations, I guess, depending on your point of view. And one of them was Radio Free Europe, which broadcast shortwave radio signals behind the Iron Curtain into Eastern Europe. And the other one was Radio Free America, which there was no Iron Curtain, but it did a similar thing for broadcast to Latin America. And I just sort of took an amalgamation of those and put Dogma Free America in there. And I talk about dogma. I talk about religion. I talk about separation of government and religion and, and things like that. We, we talk about – we mostly do news stories of, of things like this from around the world. Occasionally, we have an interview and so forth. It's usually about an hour long, sometimes shorter, sometimes a little longer. And we try to do it every week, every other week, 10, 11 days or so. So that's – that's it. Dogma Free America is the podcast. And what is your uh, what is your podcast slogan? If you could sum up your podcast in one little sort of cut line, uh, it would be dogma makes you crazy. And and it really actually applies to conspiracy theories too, because this one in particular, but most conspiracy theories out there are dogmatic in their basis, because you you can show the truth, you can show the facts, you can show the, the compelling counter arguments to any true believer in a conspiracy, and most of them don't care. You, 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 know, you can show a guy who thinks that the moon landings were a hoax all the evidence in the world that they were not, but he has a dogmatic belief that the moon landings were a hoax, and you, it, it, it is like trying to convince a religious person there is no God or some other believer in a dogma that the dogma doesn't exist. Conspiracy theories are often dogmatic beliefs. You know, one kind of real-world example, I'm sort of in the middle of uh, arguing with some Hare Krishnas about, you know, the moon landings, and, you know, for religious reasons, they don't believe man landed on the moon. And um, 
and you know one guy sort of claims that you know you know sort of you know NASA cannot be trusted that you know the the LRO images of sort of the the landing sites that the conspiracy theorists claim you know are not there uh, you know that that we cannot trust those images because you know they come from NASA uh, but then you know sort of on a uh, sort of another blog posting that this guy uh, but then on another blog posting the, the same guy is sort of using uh, some NASA satellite images of sort of the Indian subcontinent to sort of uh, back up um, you know the supposed truth of, uh, of his religion about I don't know something about ancient India or something. So, uh, you know, but uh, it, it's sort of not obvious to him that, you know, that, uh, you know, that he thinks uh, uh, LRO images are uh, obviously faked, but, uh, you know, NASA satellite images of the Indian subcontinent that sort of you know, support his religious belief are, well, you know, those those can be trusted. That would certainly be typical of conspiracy theory, dogma, and thinking. Okay, so the Denver International Airport. Uh, does it, doesn't that international thing kind of give it away? Like, I mean, uh, you know, internationalists, kind of globalists kind of thing? International, yes. Well, really, all that means is it has flights to and from other countries. Or so they'd like you to believe. Uh, well, let, let, I mean, just, just for people who, who don't know, Denver is a city in Colorado, and, and which is in the United States of America. And we have next to the city an airport called Denver International Airport. It's a really large airport. I think it's got 53 square miles of land. And I don't know the exact date it opened up. I think it was 1996. They moved, they, they built a completely new airport and they shut the old airport down, which was Stapleton Airport. And that, that's now been redeveloped into houses and shops and and so forth so we've built this new airport and for some reason people have attached a lot of different conspiracy theories to this airport the first one started where people thought the whole thing was sort of a conspiracy because um, the politicians who were building the airport were decided to put it where all their friends owned this land so so they could buy all the land and make all their friends money. That's really sort of a mundane conspiracy that really the skeptical community wouldn't care very much about. But after it was built, people started talking about the airport having some very sinister and strange features. When uh, When did they finish construction on the airport? It was well. That's a, that's a, it depends on what you mean by finished. I believe they really finished it in about 1993, but uh, they didn't open it till for a couple of years later because what happened was that they they built this baggage system that was going to be the like the fifth wonder of the world. This wonderful automated baggage system that they never could get to work, and in fact they ended up scrapping it. So they couldn't. They, they had to re- sort of rebuild, and that was what held up the the whole airport was this baggage system. No. Wasn't this airport, uh, wasn't it sort of built during the, the Clinton era? Uh, yeah, well, really, I think they, it's, it was, a, now this is a very large undertaking. I think it cost about $5 billion U.S. dollars to build this airport. And I, I think it actually started in the Reagan era and finished in the early Clinton era. It took many years to, to build this airport. Um, and it, it is a very large airport. It's a really good airport. But people seem to think that buried underneath this airport, there are very strange and perhaps sinister things going on. In fact, that the airport itself was built by a secret cabal aimed at world domination that they're calling the New World Order or the Illuminati or my favorite is is sort of associated with all of those, the the reptiloids or you know these reptile humanoid creatures that are living underneath the airport in tunnels that are bent on world domination i guess our old friends the flesh-eating reptoids yes that is what people honestly think 
that that underneath the Denver International – now, there's a whole bunch of int- very interesting things. One thing they'll point to is an aerial photograph or a satellite photograph of the airport. Now, the airport has a number of runways, and they're, they're sort of off to the various sides of the airport. So people they're a couple of miles apart from each other, so planes can land simultaneously even in bad weather. That's why they built it that way. But if you don't know the reason that they built the airport that way, it almost, to some people's eye, looks like a – swastika. I'm looking at an aerial picture of the DIA right now and uh y- you know I, th- those runways don't look anything like like a like a swastika. You know, I don't think they do, but uh, I think it it's you got to look at some one of these pictures and, and superimpose some type of swastika over it. I, I but people do say yeah, the airport looks like a swastika and I've seen pictures where you take various buildings from around the, the country and around the world and you look at them from overhead and and you can find lots of swastika looking buildings around the world i think that this is just another form of pareidolia they're looking at the airport they want to see a swastika so they do but so yeah i mean i'm i'm looking at this picture of the airport and it, it looks like there's sort of a kind of a you know like a letter z or a letter z uh sort of one runway and then a couple other runways on the side but i mean other than you know the sort of the z or the the z center part of the you know the swastika you know that's about it you you really have to work hard to sort of make that into a swastika so i mean it's just there's just it just does not look like a swastika no, it really doesn't. No, but but people think it does, and that that plays into part of the conspiracy because it's some type of message, perhaps, or symbolism that the reptiloid lizards who are secretly controlling the airport want to send to the world for their future plans for world domination. And, and naturally, the, the the Freemasons are involved. Well, the Freemasons, of course, are involved. Now, that, that, that it, gets, it gets very interesting because the, the levels of complexity of the conspiracy theories that these people have, uh, it, it, it's astonishing. It really is astonishing because there is like – I don't know what it's like up there in, in, in Canada, but most public buildings here in the U.S., if you search long and hard enough, you will find a little cornerstone somewhere set by the Freemasons, and it's often a – time capsule, but it'll say, you know, have like a little Freemason symbol and talk about the Grand Lodge Master and so forth. So there is this stone. It's a time capsule, which has things like the mayor's sneakers from the time that the airport was built. And this mayor was very famous for wearing sneakers on the job instead of dress shoes. Things th- things like of, of that nature are put in this time capsule to be open in 100 years. It has the mayor's name on it. It has a Masonic symbol on it. And then it has the names of this group that set up the opening festivities for the airport called the New World Airport Commission. And see, when you call something the New World Airport Commission, obviously things are going to start to swirl in the minds of the conspiracy believers because New World, you just put one more word in there, New World Order. And there you go. And there you go. It's proof positive to them that the New World Order is responsible for Denver International Airport. That's pretty damning. Yeah, it's very damning. Yeah, and it's and it's very interesting when they came up with this airport. And it's it's quite an undertaking. If you think think about what they were doing, building an airport from scratch, a modern international commercial airport that was just you know fields that was just places where people were going wheat and so forth. So they built this airport from scratch. It takes years and years, and people want to celebrate. So they came up with the idea that they would have this commission that would just come up to commemorate the opening of the airport. And they did things like put on an air show and so forth and have a symphony and things like that. And they called themselves the New World Airport Commission because that was the name of a – well, not the commission, but the New World Symphony was a symphony that the guy who was in charge of this commission really liked. And he thought it was evocative, so he named his little commission after this symphony that he really liked and, and and it has absolutely nothing to do with anything other than a traditional masonic cornerstone that you would find in most large government buildings in the united states well like new new world you know that, that there's a the, the new world symphony um 
by uh, I can never pronounce his name Dvorak or something like that. Um, I think it's Symphony Number no. Nine. He was the favorite composer of the guy who was running the commission. The last thing this guy was thinking of was conspiracy theories, and that people would then say that he was part of some massive conspiracy. So, so we have that we have that that, that headstone. The other the other one of the other things is that people say the airport is so big. It's 53 square miles. And I don't know what that means in that funny measurement system you have up there in Canada, but it's certainly a lot of square kilometers. Why, they say, would you need an airport that big? And that in and of itself is proof that something untoward is going on, that you need that much land, that much room to spread out and hide all of your nefarious activities. So just the very – now, of course, the reason they build an airport that big is so you can land the planes and they're not flying on top of people's houses and people complain about the noise. That's why you do that. But that doesn't really enter into the thinking of these conspiracy theorists. That is just another cog in the wheel that drives this conspiracy. It, anything you can look at, the, the air conditioning system for the airport, I saw it when I was looking at something the other day, the fact that there's this huge air conditioning system for the airport is proof that there's an underground military base because why would you need such a large air conditioning facility for a three terminal airport i guess uh i guess you need a really powerful air conditioner because i mean the reptoids being you know reptiles they're uh cold-blooded so they have to sort of keep the underground uh you know caverns really really hot and uh and so then they need a lot of air conditioning to sort of you know maybe balance that out so um you know so people don't sort of you know notice there are these you know these super hot caverns underneath the other thing that people point to is the public art associated with the airport. Now, like many large projects, when you build something, there are people that think it would be a lot better, it would be a lot nicer if we had large sort of monumental public art projects associated with what we're building. And they've done that for DIA. And the things that have really set people off are these murals that this artist has painted And people really put a lot of symbolism into the murals and have actually come to the conclusion that the murals themselves are a warning to the rest of us placed there by the new world order as to what their plans are for us and the coming apocalypse where we are all going to die or most of us are going to die and the remainder will be ruled by them. And they get this all from these sort of these. I got to say, I'm not a big fan of the murals, not. Not my particular uh, choice of an art form, but that's just a matter of personal taste. They're sort of done in a 1960s uh, Mexican mural style. I believe he's a, he's a uh, Spanish-American artist, uh, kind of does stuff in you know, the style of Diego Rivera, kind of uh, you know, a lot of vibrant colors, I don't know, people marching around with flowers and, I don't know, Quetzalcoatl everywhere. A lot of flowers, looking people, children, and so forth. I, the guy's a very talented artist, just not my cup of tea as far as art's concerned. But he painted these, all these, these murals, and people now say that they are a message that's all part of this conspiracy out in the open. I guess it's sort of a way for the conspirators to laugh at the rest of us for not taking the hints of, of, of their nefarious plans and at the same time people are doing that but you know they're just the deluded conspiracy theorists and no one's going to believe them yeah i mean you wonder why they you know they reveal their hand and you know their artwork and all you know the the symbols in the the airport it's like uh i don't know maybe they're just trying to give us a sporting chance or something yeah we warned you we were going to be taken over it was this plain day it's right there I mean, what, what's in these murals that, uh, you know, what's sort of the symbols and the artwork that people sort of see and interpret as, you know, the, uh, you know, the hand of the New World Order revealed? Well, it's interesting. Now, the murals, if you listen to the artist, are basically a, a, a critique of the, the way that, the, that we treat the modern environment and also against war. So one of the things is this. There's just all these children that are being threatened by this very sinister-looking soldier. And the soldier is in a uniform that it sort of looks like, to me, a cross between a Nazi 
uniform from World War II and maybe like the, the like the kind of uniform that you would have seen uh, Pinochet wearing in Chile. It's sort of sort the of combination between the two of those with like a beaked cap. It doesn't even have a helmet. It's a beaked cap. And the soldier has a rifle and a sword and is wearing a gas mask. I mean, to me, the the soldier looks like the, uh, you know, sort of the uh, the, the the soldiers in Ralph Bakshi's uh, uh, cartoon w- Wizards. I, I don't know if you remember that the uh, you know the scene where the guys like you know, you know they killed Fritz. You know those stupid stinking lousy fairies. They killed Fritz. It, it's almost it looks a lot like that. Now, the, the artist says that the reason he wrote the soldier that way was because it wanted it to be sort of any soldier, not a particular army's uniform, not a particular race, not a particular anything. It could be a soldier anywhere doing anything, and it was sort of a commentary on the brutality of war and what war can do. Now, people, though, look at this as an obvious manifestation of the new world order and it's probably one of those lizardoid reptiloid guys because you really can't see his face why else would you put the covering over it and then in another one of these murals the same soldier is dead and all the children are around them and it's sort of like a new day dawning because maybe we've we've gotten rid of war so these are very sort of political statements this guy made. And people, though, look at these and say, no, this is the message that the new world order is going to take over, that there's going to be this fight and there's going to be a brand new day once the new world order rules us all. Well, but don't the, uh, don't the, the conspiracy people also claim that, like, you know, the, the murals are out of order? You know, it sort of goes, uh, you know, children at peace and then, like, you know, uh, the, you know the, they killed Fritz guy with the, with the gun and sword. They say they're in the wrong order. Oh, there's another thing. And I don't know if you caught this. It may be recent, but they've actually figured out a way to throw in because there's a couple of Mayan symbols in these murals. But, well, and, you know, that's to be expected. It's a, a Mexican-based art form here. Well, guess what the symbolism then is of these Mayan symbols? Well, I mean, of course, 2012, you know. dun 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 2012, exactly. So not only is it a warning, it's a warning of when they are going to take over. They are going to take over, what is it, December 21st, 2012. And they're actually giving us a date. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a rumor that uh, December, uh, December 21, 2012 is actually a Monday. Was it a Monday? Well, it figures it would be a Monday. That would be the, the day I would pick to take over the world, really. Because you have the whole week in front of you. You know, you don't even have to worry about an interceding weekend for five days. So if you want to take over the world, that's a good day to do it. Maybe like Sunday night even. Midnight. I don't know if the Mayans had their calendar at midnight or in the morning, but that would be a good way to do it. So, yeah, they'll incorporate things like that in there. And they will say, no, 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 these people are telling us they're going to be taking over the world. That's what these murals say. Now, there's another little bit of public art that is more recent. It's this... um, the people, I, you know, and I don't really know how they tied this into the conspiracy. It's this 33-foot-tall blue fiberglass horse that is outside the airport, and it's 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 kind of menacing, actually. It's this it's this stallion. It's like rear, rearing up on its hind legs, and it has this very sort of menacing look on its face, and the, these red eyes that glow in the dark. People call it the devil horse. I, I was looking at a picture of the horse, and it, I mean, it's a it's a pretty scary horse, and not necessarily you know the first thing you want to see before uh, you know before a flight. Yes. Now, now the, the, I'll, I'll say, I don't. I, I'm a big. I like horses. I like horse imagery and art, and I have. I, I really think that the idea of a giant horse sculpture, especially in Denver, where we have a you know our biggest sports team are the the Broncos. Uh, I think a horse is a great idea outside the airport, and, uh, but this horse is really somewhat menacing and and somewhat scary, e- even to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, a big scary horse in front of your airport that it's going to frighten your children. I mean, I, I I don't know who they thought they were helping. Doesn't really help with the whole conspiracy theory thing, although I haven't seen them yet try to tie the horse into the new world order. But I'm sure that they're coming up with a way. Well, I guess just because, you know, the horse is, I don't know, satanic or something, and, you know, the New World Order is taking their marching orders from Satan, I guess. 
it is somewhat satanic. It, and and people actually have called it the devil horse, the Satan's horse, and so forth. Although I don't know if the devil's horse would be blue. I'm not sure blue is the devil's color. But the uh I don't know, the the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, I, I think they those horses have colors and I don't know, maybe they took all the primary colors and you know, the only thing they left to Satan was blue. Actually, you know that someone did actually. It was uh, death rides a pale horse in in uh, the Book of Revelations or whatever. Right on death is on a pale horse. So this is this horse really cannot be called pale, although maybe in some lights it would be. But I have actually seen it. This is actually supposedly part of the conspiracy that it is a reference to the pale horse that death rides in the Book of Revelations. You've brought this back to me. You refresh my memories, Carl, and that that ties into the 2012 Mayan conspiracy where the New World Order is going to take over the world and rule North America from underneath Denver International Airport. I mean, not not to knock Denver. I mean, I'm sure it's a fine place, but I mean, you would think maybe if the New World Order was going to pick their world capital, it would be, I don't know, know, something with a little bit of style like New York or L.A., maybe Miami. Now, not at the world, not the world, not the world. at least, you know, I've seen it North America. I've seen it the United States and I've seen it just the Western North America. So now actually Denver's not a bad place if you want to do that, because we're sort of centrally located. We're away from the, the, the coastline. So we're not going to get caught in any type of you know, tsunami or catechism or anything. We're not in a very geologically active area. We don't really get earthquakes of any nature here anything to speak of so it's it's a pretty stable place geologically and would be pretty safe for natural disasters with the one exception of if yellowstone goes we're in big trouble here in colorado all right it'd be the uh the the western caldera thingy you know if that blows right yeah that that big huge caldera in in yellowstone when when that goes uh it's it's probably all over for us here so it wouldn't be a bad place now the other thing is though what you're forgetting carl and what you haven't really considered as to why Denver would be such a great place is that we are central to the National Underground New World Order Tunnel System. What's a day pass cost to ride that? Now, you have to look at the tunnel map. And Denver is a, is a good place to put the hub of all these tunnels and what they actually believe and what they say. They will say that there is a tunnel that goes from Denver through the Rocky Mountains over to western Colorado. And then there are branch tunnels that go to Salt Lake City and Las Vegas. And there's other tunnels that will then go south into New Mexico and then to Phoenix. And then tunnels going east to the east coast. And there are these huge networks, according to these people, of underground tunnels I don't know what the purpose would be of underground tunnels. I don't know why you wouldn't just put your stuff in a truck and put it on the highway. Or like Red Cross vehicles. Or just any truck, really. But I, I guess they want to have, they wanted to spend so much money building huge networks of underground tunnels from city to city to city. Really quite an engineering feat, if you think about it. And, and, and this is, I don't know, maybe what's going to happen after the apocalypse comes, that'll be the only way to get around from place to place to place. I don't know. But Denver seems to be, to these people, a central node in the underground tunnel network. And that's really where we get into the, what, what to me is the most interesting and the most paranoid part of the whole mythos of conspiracy theories about Denver International Airport. Wait, hang on. Let me let me get my tinfoil hat on. Okay, it's secure. Lay it on me. Well, people will say that there is an underground tunnel system at Denver International Airport, which is going to be used for various purposes by this conspiracy. And depending on what conspiracy you believe in, this this whole underground tunnel system is 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 part of it. Now, it's interesting that there actually is an underground tunnel system at Denver International Airport. I have been in it myself. I have seen it with my own two eyes. It is. It has a little more of a mundane use than these people like to claim. It's the trains that take you from the main terminal to Terminal A, Terminal B, and Terminal C so you can get on your plane. It is, in fact, the only subway in the state of Colorado. Or so they want you to believe. That is the cover story for these tunnels, exactly. So they, 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 dug, they had to dig tunnels. 
when they built this airport. They, they had a tunnel for the trains, and they had a tunnel for the baggage, and they had a tunnel for other, you know, pipes for water and, and things like sewers and so forth. So they did, when they built this airport, build a lot of tunnels. But these tunnels are part of the conspiracy. You see, the tunnels, according to what you will read on these conspiracy websites, that is where the real denizens of the New World Order reside. That is where these lizard creatures, these reptiloids, reside. And that they have their, their slave labor force of humans, especially children, that toil in the underground facilities underneath Denver International Airport doing who knows what. Another theory is that these reptiloids are going to use these underground tunnel systems as concentration camps for when they finally take over. Well, those tunnels, too, are apparently where the, the UN keeps their uh, European and uh, Chinese soldiers, uh, or, quote, peacekeepers, uh, bivouacked. So when, uh, you know, when America goes all to hell, they can sort of call them out of the tunnels and kind of, you know, and seize all the, uh, the Krispy Kremes. Well, yeah, the black helicopters probably have an underground base it's someplace like Denver International Airport where the reptiloids, and they're probably the pilots of, of the black helicopters. Now, some people have actually tried to make money off of this conspiracy theory, and I don't know how this guy pronounces his last name, but he's a pretty interesting character, David Icke. David Icke, now, he, he, is the whole, he is the guy who really has put forward this whole idea of these reptiloid or reptilian humanoids that are the secret cabal that rule the world. And he would say that uh, George Bush, uh, probably both of them, are reptiloids. He would probably say Barack Obama is a reptiloid. He would probably say Bill Clinton was. For some reason, he said Chris Christopherson. Was, and I don't get that one. And, and, and what was it? What was the name? Steamboat Willie was the singer that they used to have on those commercials to buy his music, you know, a late night television. And all these people are members of this race that is out there to take over our planet. And now I used to think, I really used to think when I looked at this guy, David Icke, that he was talking, that this was a code word. That when he, when he used the word um, you know, reptilian humanoid or reptiloid, they have the secret group to rule the world. I really thought that that was a code word for Jew. And what I really thought was that he was saying, no, the Jews are out to do this, and wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I'll use the word reptilian humanoid, and we all know I really mean Jews, but, I'm re- but I don't think so anymore. I mean, the more I've read about this guy, I really think he thinks that there are these secret reptiles that are ruling the world. Yeah, David Icke. I guess he, he he's a British guy, and he, he used to be he used to be kind of famous, but I mean, legitimately famous before he was sort of, you know, insane, crazy famous. He's a British guy. He used to be a soccer player, and he was a a, a personality actually on the BBC. And he has written, I think, at least one book, pretty much devoted to how Denver International Airport is one of the central hubs of the reptilian humanoid conspiracy. You, know, you think you got to wonder. It's like, well, who who believes this? Yes. Well, may, you know, most people, I think, looking at this realize it's going to be absurd. It takes a really hardcore conspiracy nut to believe in any of this. I mean, it, you know, you, there's these you know videos on YouTube. Oh, Denver International Airport's a very scary, threatening place. It it's an airport. I mean. Sure, it's scary and threatening to some people who are, like, afraid of flying. But otherwise, to you and me and everybody else, it's just an airport. Can you think of a more mundane location? I can't. Well, maybe the grocery store. Well, how do you, how do you explain the luggage gargoyles? Yeah, so the, the luggage gargoyles. The, 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 there are these gargoyles in the main terminal at the airport, and... Uh, I don't really know why they're there. Oh, there was another one that I saw on uh, recently on on YouTube. Is underneath the, the the murals that we're talking about is a picture of what to me looks like a cart, a mining cart from a mine, and the letters A U A G, gold and silver. Now, anybody that knows Colorado history understands that. When our state was founded, there was a gold rush, and gold was a big thing. They were mining the gold, and then they turned over to silver, and silver took over. So the silver and gold 
or the big minerals people mined. And, and in fact, the, the, the football team at the University of Colorado before it was the Buffaloes was the silver and gold. I mean, it, it was that ingrained in, in the society here for a very long time. And there's, it's, it's a commemoration of our mining past in Colorado. But people say, no, 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 no. That's not what that is. That is a veiled reference to a, a super strain of a virus that they are going to use. And it, it's the, su- the super secret symbolism of this virus is AUAG. The secret symbolism is going to be that we are going to use this virus in 2012 as part of the global catechism where we're going to take over. And it's another warning that we're putting out to you right there. Instead of just, it's a commemoration of the history of our state. So these people are pretty much like killjoy assholes. Now, what one of the claims about the uh, construction of the airport is that you know over the number of years uh, that they took to build it, that uh, you know that they hired and fired many different construction companies as if you know they only wanted to show you know sort of one construction company one little part. You know they wanted to keep the whole construction compartmentalized um you know what do you what what do you have to say to that smart guy well it's a very large project about over five billion dollar construction project and they're going to use a lot of different subcontractors to do different things and it's not like you're going to have one company and you're going to hire and you say okay see that runway over there i want you to build that runway and after that i want you to put up those pillars for that terminal and install that moving walkway you're going to install you're going to hire someone to build the runway and they're done you're going to hire someone to put in a walkway and they're done. And and that that is just the way a construction project works. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing, right? Just, you know, it, 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 just because it says that on a conspiracy website doesn't necessarily mean that's, you know, it's accurate that, uh, you know, that they had like one construction company contract for the whole project. And then they, you know, they fired that company and, con- you know, contracted another company. You, you know, you, you you can't take the, uh, you know, you can't take the conspiracy theorist word at it, even even in you know what 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 seems like a, I don't know, like a mundane detail. Right. Well, there's a lot of things that conspiracy websites websites say that are just, I, I, at least if they're not true, I I can't find any evidence of them. For instance, what they one thing they say is that there were six buildings at the airport that were built wrong, but instead of tearing them down and starting over, they just buried them. And that why would they bury the buildings? Well, because they're part of the underground structure and so forth. But there's, I can find no actual proof, no evidence that this actually happened. This is just something they made up. But it's become part of the mythology of this conspiracy. And it's on one website, one book, one magazine article and some crackpot magazine. All of a sudden, it becomes the truth. It's kind of like, you know, all those Bermuda Triangle books, how, uh, you know, like one author just, you know, writes a new book about the Bermuda Triangle and uses, you know, sort of the, the previous author's book as a source. And that guy used, you know, an earlier book about the Bermuda Triangle as a source. And nobody ever sort of goes back to the, you know, to the, to the sort of the, the, the primary research or the, the, the original sources. They just keep assuming that the guy before, well, he must have checked these facts. I mean, you find that all the time. Um, you know, like the you know, in the you know the creation evolution debate. Uh, I don't know why we call it a debate because it's no real debate. But um, you know, there's all these you know crazy things like uh, you know, like the uh, you know the NASA found a missing day, and uh, you know it, when they were sort of running their little star computers backwards and and no one could explain it until you know somebody in nasa remembered their little bible story about i don't know book of jeremiah or something you know god stopping the sun for a day and uh you know you know the tracks just keep repeating this as if it's fact and well you know (laughs) you know (laughs) there's no record at nasa that ever happened What's, now, what, what is exactly the, the, the genesis of this conspiracy theory? Based on my research, there seems to be this, this woman, uh, Alex, um, and I think she's sort of like this grandmotherly woman that sort of, I don't know, she, she kind of blew the story wide open or something like that. She, yes, Alex Christopher, put, basically, I, as far as I've been able to see, sort of started the whole thing off. I think it was Coast to Coast with Art Bell, but don't, don't hold me on that. I'm not positive. It was either that show or something very like it. 
she appeared on this show and she made all these outlandish claims about the underground system and about the reptiloids and the, the concentration camps of children doing slave labor underneath Denver International Airport. People picked up on this. It becomes an industry. It becomes a meme. And she sort of dropped off the face of the earth and very little was ever heard from her again. I guess I guess the other uh, figure to sort of you know push this legend forward was a guy named uh, Phil, Phil Schneider. Uh, did did, did you, you catch anything about him? Yes, I did read a little bit about him. I, well, I guess this, uh, this this Phil Schneider character, I don't know, he, he claimed to be like a, an engineer, and he was involved in building underground military bases, and, and I guess he was... Uh, you know, had information about you know building the uh, you know the the gray slave sugar dungeons underneath uh, underneath the DIA, and uh, but then so, somehow he sort of he, he turned up dead at some point, uh, you know suicide. But of, of course, you know in uh, you know any good conspiracy theory, nobody actually kills themselves or dies of old age or you know legitimately gets hit by a car or something like that. Right. Yeah, that has to be part of the conspiracy. Now, you know, I, I don't know about you, Carl, but I haven't seen many underground military bases in my day. I mean, we have some in Colorado, actually. We have Cheyenne Mountain, and we have a bunch of old missile silos where I don't know if we even still have any active ones, but where Minuteman missiles, <laughs> and those are all underground facilities. Other than that, honestly, it doesn't make a great deal of sense in a country as large as the United States to build an underground facility, even Groom Lake. Area 51 is above ground. They didn't even put that underground. So I think that the, gov- the idea of the government spending lots of money building underground military fac- facilities when they could just as cheaply and easily, or much more cheaply, and much more easily build them above ground makes no sense. You know, I mean, th- there's a reason that they built Cheyenne Mountain. There's a reason that they put an, a NORAD command center in the middle of a mountain it was in case it got bombed by an by a atomic bomb. It would be safe. And there's a reason you put missile silos underground. And that's so if you know you you blow up a, an A bomb nearby, it's not going to destroy your underground missiles. But other than that, there's really not much of a need for underground military bases. And I think that this guy who says that he was involved in building underground military bases, well, that's a dead giveaway that what he do you have the clean tag on this show? Uh, fuck no. That he is, it's, it's hard. I, I'm trained. I train myself not to, that he is full of crap. Oh, come on. You can do better. He is full of shite. That's as, that's as good as I'll get. You know, the thing you were saying about, um, you know why build underground? It sort of reminds me of um, the uh, uh, so the early maybe the early eighties where they were trying to bring online those new intercontinental ballistic missiles. Uh, how, 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 do, you, do you mind if I ask how, how old you are? I, uh, I, I I it saddens me to say this that I'm forty three years old. Yeah, I think I, don't know, I think they may be eventually called the missile the peacekeeper but um it was to replace like you know the minuteman missiles the mx missile it was originally called I think. yes right yeah the uh, the uh, mx missile i think you know they were sort of uh trying to come up with several schemes to sort of you know base the missile and make it as hard as possible for the soviets to target it and uh, I, I think you know one of the ideas they came up with was it was called called dense pack uh but you know, their their smarter idea was what they just thought they would do is, you know, take advantage of America's size. And what they would do is put the missiles on sort of rail cars and then just basically, you know, uh, drive them around in sort of a big, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a big loop, but just sort of, you know, a big sort of pattern. And, uh, and you know, and it's almost impossible then to sort of, you know, knock out these missiles because you don't know where they are, you know, in this, in this huge sort of, you know, above ground, you know, rail, rail, rail system. Yeah, it's a much better strategy, really, than building something underground. Building something underground is really hard and really expensive and generally doesn't really do you much good in the end. Any idea what maybe, uh, you know, what is the appeal of this conspiracy theory to some people? I mean, you know, the thing about, um, you know, sort of missing children or kidnapped children, it, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, you know, sort of the, uh, you know, the paranoia from the 80s about, uh, you know, your your kids are going to be snatched off the street by, uh, you know, by Satanists and, you know, sacrificed to the devil and strange rituals. Yes. Well, you know, it, it's really not that. 
Carl. I mean, I, we, you could make that connection, but if you really listen to what these most of these people are saying with the the reptiloid, reptilian humanoid taking over the world, underground bases, and they also can disguise themselves as human beings, and they have that sort of stealth capacity to pretend to be a human being, it is almost exactly like that horrible TV show from the early 1980s, which I just heard they're going to remake now, V. You know, it is what these people believe, really. They ardently believe that the, that horrible TV show, V, is real. And that the, the, the aliens from V are going to be taking over the world from Denver International Airport. I mean, why is it like, you know, the, just the bad sci-fi shows sort of uh, and, and gender conspiracy theories? I mean, you know, like, I mean, there are a lot of people sort of running around, you know, teaching themselves Klingon or, you know, dressing up in, you know, stormtrooper uniforms and forming themselves into, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, marine companies and, you know, uh, claiming they, you know, serve on certain, you know, battle, battle, uh, battle stars, uh, star destroyers. But, uh, you know, I mean, nobody's then sort of extending that into, you know, sort of a, a conspiracy, like, you know, maybe, um, you know, Obama is the, you know, has gone over to the, to the dark side or something. Well, I mean, uh, well, actually, no, with all that stuff about healthcare and people call him a Nazi. Let me, you know, let me strike that. But, but I'm pretty sure it's not, you know, it's, it's not the, the, the Trekkies and the, you know, the, the Star Wars, uh, you know, fanboys. You know, another thing that I think it might be, honestly, is another basis in bad science fiction. And I don't know if you remember this movie, but it had underground tunnels. It had aliens that were sort of reptilian that looked like that could pretend to be humans. And they were going to take over the world, and they were doing all the stuff that they, they – and it was this horrible movie with a, a wrestler named Roddy Piper in it called They Live. Oh, oh no, no. You are so wrong, sir. It is – They Live is a classic. A classic, I tell you. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. It's, it's a, it is a classic movie, I think, because it's so bad in many ways. But, but, but they it, – it really is – what these people believe is that the world is a, the real secrets of our world are a combination of the, the the 1980s TV series V and the 1980s movie They Live combined together, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I guess to sort of maybe extend this sort sort of a sci-fi geek dueling banjo phase of the conversation, uh, it also sort of reminds me of a sort of really bad science fiction uh, novel series called called the Amtrak Wars by a guy named, I think, uh, Patrick Tilly. Uh, and it sounds really sort of familiar to the whole, uh, you know, to the whole DIA conspiracy about uh, sort of about these, you know, um, underground subway tunnels that crisscross North America and there was a nuclear war and sort of the, you know, the pure strain humans have moved under ground and the mutants live on on the surface of the earth and the sort of the, you know the the pure strain humans they're sort of you know driving their little trains up out of the subway tunnels and they're trying to reconquer the surface from the mutants and um i don't know it's just really really bad stuff and i may be the only person who's ever actually read i don't know all five or six books in the series i think they do pick a lot of this stuff up from science fiction and because it is just so ridiculous in, in, in many ways. And, and the, you know, the good thing is, though, I mean, mo- the good thing is that this is a very low-level conspiracy. Very few people have heard about it. When I was talking to my wife about coming onto your show earlier today and I said I'm going to be talking about the DIA conspiracy, she said, what what DIA conspiracy? You know, I mean, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the idea of science fiction story giving rise to uh, kind of a popular conspiracy theory in, in the public. I mean, it's not... Um, you know, it's not without precedent because I, th- I think, uh, like you know, like our gray image, you know, uh, of space aliens, you know, the grays that that people weren't reporting seeing grays uh, on until that sort of alien sort of image first appeared. I believe maybe a, a episode of The Outer Limits, and then you know after this episode of The Outer Limits appeared, then people started, you know, reporting seeing greys. But there's, you know, absolutely no report of a grey before uh, the broadcast of this 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 TV episode. <laughs> that's, uh, I don't know, that's just a great conspiracy theory, Rich. You know, um, 
I, I'm always fascinated by the really, you know, the really, I call the, the high kooken conspiracies that, uh, and, and more they just parallel, uh, you know, almost plot line for plot line, a work of bad science fiction, uh, even better it makes that conspiracy. Oh, I'm hardly the first. I'm hardly the first. Other people have done this better than I in the past, but but I'm happy that I could bring this little treat to you, Carl. Now, now usually I ask my guests the uh, you know the Korean questions, you know, uh, you know, age, uh, marital status, and uh, and 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 job, uh, but I, th- I think you sort of have managed to sort of answer those questions already through the podcast. Um, but I don't know, I don't think I asked you if you had children. Do, 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 you, do you have children? There is a dog and a cat. They are, they are, they are the children of something. No, no, I think on y- your podcast, Dogma Free America, y- you've mentioned a, a few times your, uh, your, your, your job. I, I'm an attorney. I don't know if you've mentioned it on your podcast, but but is it okay to ask uh, what what area of law you practice? You know, I think I might have mentioned it a couple of times. I I I, I work for a government agency, so I don't like to talk about it because I don't want anyone to think that uh, the the uh, somehow I'm, I'm claiming that some type of endorsement by the government agency. So I'll just say that I'm a government attorney. Oh well, there you go. You're you're part of the conspiracy. I'm certainly part of the the, the conspiracy. Yes. So fess up, Rich. What does human flesh taste like? You know, I, I will say I have tasted human flesh, but it has been my own. So, I mean, haven't we all, you know, bitten off that little bit of skin when we're biting our nails and just eating it? Haven't we all done that? Haven't we all engaged, Carl, in some type of self-cannibalism from time to time? All right. And I, I guess my sort of final question before some other random final questions maybe I, I remember to ask is, uh, what, Rich, what is your uh, favorite small kitchen appliance? Oh, well, you know, I got to say my favorite thing would be – it would not be a small kitchen appliance. I, I have this tool that I love and it's called the alligator. And I don't know if you've ever seen one of these things. It is like a chainsaw vice combination. And so, and I, I had some some uh, trees that I recently had to trim, and it's just is a wonderful tool. So it would have to be the Black and Decker alligator. Uh huh. Have you ever tried to use this alligator device to I don't know dig dig tunnels? Not yet, not yet. But you know, I will say the only real appliance that I really love in the kitchen that I have a emotional attachment to would be my Fuzzy Logic rice cooker. Well, how, how many how many cups of rice does it make? Eight, I think. It's a fairly large Fuzzy Logic rice cooker. Now, now Carl, I'm going to ask you the, the Korean, ask a Korean question. Now, what is it going to take to get you to go to the Amazing Meeting 8 in Las Vegas next July? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm planning on it. I, I've, I'm sort of up to three weeks vacation now at work. So uh, uh, I definitely have the uh, – I think I'm going to have the time. So, uh, yes, uh, Carl, Tam 8, I'm there. Excellent. Oh, are you gonna uh, are you gonna wear your fez again? Like, could like maybe we both wear fezes? We could be I don't know, like Akbar and Jeff or something. Uh, you know, if if you're gonna be there, I'll get another fez because giving away all my fezes, but I'll be happy to get another fez. All right. Well, I won't keep any more of your time, Rich. Uh, you, I think you're probably hungry by now. Uh, before you go, do you want to uh, plug that little thing you'll be attending? October, Burbank, California, AAI convention. Uh, be there or be square. Awesome. All right. Uh, bye, Rich. All right, Carl. Bye. Bye.